Welcome to the Your Own Medicine podcast. Thank you for listening. My name is Callie Klug and I am a yoga teacher and somatic practitioner in Southern California. A Your Own Medicine podcast was really created with this idea and this intention of bringing knowledge to you to access the medicine within you and within your own body. So thank you for listening. Let's go. Namaste, my friend. Here we go. I've been putting this off for a long time because, frankly, it's a little awkward recording podcasts by yourself. But here we are. This is an episode that I have wanted to record, have wanted to record for a long time now. It's pretty much just a collection of what I have experienced to be the most powerful healing modalities. I've kind of kept a running list over the years as I've gone through my, as they call it, spiral of healing. Okay, so let's get right into it, shan't we? I don't really have a particular order for these. And I really do just a little note too. I do love interview podcast episodes. I love them. I mean, it's been seriously, it's been amazing. And if you're listening to this right now, I love you. And I'm grateful that you're taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. And um, yeah, so it's just going to be different. I listened to someone else's podcast where they did some solo episodes and I thought it was really interesting. As long as you have a topic, then I think you're good. As long as it's interesting stuff. So I'm pretty sure that talking about, well, for me, I love this shit. Talking about EMDR and all of these trippy healing modalities. To me, that's interesting. So hopefully it will be too as well. So, all right, let's kick it off. The first thing that I kind of just jotted in here, actually is yoga. So, I mean, for me, that's a given. I've been practicing yoga for so long now. It it started, yoga started for me, my first, well, actually, my first experience with yoga was when I was, I think, like 12 or 13. I was a soccer player when I was younger, and I don't think I gave a crap about stretching ever. I was just like, lots of running, lots of strength, you know, like body, body weight, strength workouts and stuff like that. Conditioning, stuff like that. Never did I stretch maybe at the end of a practice for two minutes. So I was like the tin man and in all ways, emotionally and physically. And I walked into a yoga class with my mom, Zuda Yoga, shout out, love you guys. But this was the worst experience in my life. Um, I walked in And I took a hot yoga class. It was like an advanced yoga class. Now I'd probably be fine. But I was not fine then, let me tell you. I um, immediately started crying and had to leave the class. I remember literally being in the lobby alone because, right, everyone's in the class. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why do people do this? Genuinely, why? It's so hot in there. How do people do this? Like, is this a joke? And I think I went back in because I was embarrassed. And I just remember being like, how do you breathe? How are these people breathing? 
let alone doing the postures, just like breathing in the heat was enough. And just for the record, this is a very intense studio. Like when I, when I have gone back there in recent years, I'm still like, holy shit, this is a lot. It's like power yoga, you know, heated power yoga. So anyway, that was my first experience with yoga. I was like, why the fuck do people do this? It was horrible. (laughs) And I'm surprised I ever went back. But I, there was a yoga studio right next to my high school. I hated high school. Oh my God. Senior year was fun, but high school, I, (laughs) High school was not a fun experience for me. I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of issues with people and not having boundaries and a lot of stuff. So the this yoga studio, the reason I say that for context, not to just shit on my high school experience, is because this yoga studio was like the safest place I have ever been ever in my life. The owner is amazing. Like this is Leap Yoga Studio in Folsom, by the way, if you're ever in the area. I, my heart is there. I had a really touching experience there at Christmas time as well. I'll share that later, but so, um, just a safe space. I, and I remember, I mean, there's so many reasons to love yoga. I just, I think I, I first liked it because it was like sweaty and intense in a workout and I wasn't very good at it, but I remember them saying, you know, if you need to, you can take rest. And I was like, I've never thought that was okay before. And soccer, it was like push, push, push. And then on top of that, you're like doing things for a team, right? So you can't give up. Like that's like, you're letting people down if you give up. So yoga was a whole different breed for me. Um, On top of that, safe space, like I said. Um, In my later years of practicing yoga, so after I went to Belgium, didn't practice yoga all there because I couldn't find a studio. Could I have done it at home? Yes. Did I? No. I didn't do anything in Belgium, but I came back and I got into core power, which like people shit on core power and I would probably not go back there now, but I I mean, not to... Not to say it's not good. I loved core power when I went there. Like, I think every every person has their own version of yoga and, like, there's not a right and a wrong, you know? That's my opinion. I don't know. Some people like to say otherwise, but why would... That doesn't make sense to me, but... Anyway, in my later years of yoga, it was more about connecting to my body. And then after, like, so much practice, so much yoga practice, I was actually able to start to physically see a change. So, like, moving into postures that I couldn't do before, starting to hold crow pose, like, noticing noticeable flexibility changes or mobility changes. It helped with my pain, my back pain, which I have, like, a different view on maybe why that helped with my pain now. I think when I was practicing yoga, I thought, oh my God, it's the asana. So the the physical posture part of yoga is what's helping my back. And yeah, it's possible. I had a lot of muscle tension. I was really stressed. But I also think a lot of my pain was um, neuroplastic, which originates in the brain. Not saying it's fake, not saying, oh, it's in your head, but it is, it originates in the brain. And the more stressed you are, and the more uptight you are and the more connected to your 
anxious thoughts you are, the worse your neuroplastic pain can be. So yoga, meditation can really help with that. So that was my experience with yoga. I obviously very much believe in the healing power of yoga. And yoga goes beyond the physical asanas. You know, breath work and meditation and like beyond that even. Um, mudra. There's so many aspects of yoga. You could even call what I'm doing right now yoga. Everything is yoga. But we're not really here to talk about that today. Last little bit about that, the story of this Christmas. My experience with Leap Yoga Studio. So I had a rough Christmas. And on Christmas Day, they held a yoga class, which was like amazing because everything is closed on Christmas. And I felt very pent up on Christmas Day. Like I was holding in a lot of emotion. And I went, got to the studio really early because in the past, before COVID, when I've gone there, it's like their classes are packed. But because of COVID, and mind you, there was like that huge outbreak in December, there wasn't that many people there. And so I got there super early. <laughs> like very early and there was no one there in the in the room except for me and the owner who's named Butch and he's just amazing and I feel a certain type of way about this studio in Folsom because I really see it as this this really pivotal point in my life like I'm a yoga teacher now this is yoga has changed my life like the practices of yoga have absolutely changed my life and so when I go back there it's really I don't really know a word for it but it's kind of surreal because it's like if I hadn't had this one thing I don't know where I would be right now truly I have no idea what my life would look like and so I wanted to share that sentiment with the owner who was also there when I was going to high school. And I was just kind of sharing that with him. And I said something about, you know, thank you for being open on Christmas. Cause he asked, how are you doing? And I said, I'm okay. And he said, yeah, that's why we're open on Christmas. And I just shared, you know, I, I'm a yoga teacher because of this studio and I get so emotional talking about this. Um, basically sharing that with him and he I kind of started crying a little bit and I was like oh my gosh yeah like sorry I'm getting emotional and he just like looked at me dead in the eyes and was like you are safe here and I felt safe in that moment and and he gave me a hug and and to me that's what yoga is like yoga I know you know I loved core power and all of that stuff but Yoga to me is this, is that. It's like, it's a refuge from all the bullshit. Like, that's what it is to me. Beyond all the tools and, I mean, everything. I To me, that's what, that's what I hold in my heart as what yoga is. And that's why I do what I do in the way that I do it. Because I want to make space for people to feel like that when they're hopefully in a class of mine or whatever. Okay, great. Number two. Whew. Okay, uh, Louise Hay, now we're going to go faster because that was like whole spiel. 
Louise Hay, Self-Love Affirmation. So if you haven't ever read You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay, I highly recommend that you read it. Her book was really transformational for me. It made me realize, first of all, I should probably give a little down, down, uh, rundown of what, did you guys ever see that Office episode where Charles asked Jim for a rundown? Okay, cool. Okay, Louise Hay, I believe she was a life coach. I don't really know exactly what she did, but she writes, wrote, RIP, love her. She's somewhere beautiful now. She wrote these amazing books about how psychological, emotional, and spiritual wounds manifest as physical ailments, essentially. And so that's pretty much the basis of her books. And so a lot of her teachings include mirror work, which is something that I like to teach as well, which is completely stemmed from her teachings, which is where you look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself affirmations. For example, you would look at yourself in the mirror, take a few deep breaths and tell yourself, I love you, I approve of you, and I accept you for exactly as you are in this moment. And something about the wording of the mirror work that she wrote is so potent. And yeah, I read her book. I read that book when I was in Cabo, Mexico for my birthday. And yeah, it was just, it like opened my eyes and, and I don't really like that expression, opened my eyes, but it made me realize that my relationship with myself was actually really shitty. At that time, I was, I was 22. Um, yeah, it was, it was bad. I was, my self-talk was bad and hateful and, and not helpful, you know? And so not only did that book help me to realize that in the most like gentle, kind way, because her writing is just so gentle and kind, but it helped me to actually learn real ways to create a new inner dialogue. And just for the record, now I'm realizing kind of why this shit works and and I'm going to go kind of touch on this later but it is because the brain is so fucking plastic so we think oh I am the way I am I can't change who I am okay I don't know if you can change who you are but the brain is really plastic so you can change your habits you can change these things by creating new neural pathways like literally. So if your brain is like wired for you to talk shit about yourself, there's so many neural pathways. And sorry if you're versed in brain science. I don't really know what I'm talking about any deeper than what I'm saying. So sorry in advance, but you can literally create new neural pathways in the brain that help to support kind dialogue with yourself. You just have to do it over and over and over and over and over again. And then it becomes easier. It's weird at first. You're not used to it. Like if I have never snowboarded and I start snowboarding and I'm terrible. Well, yeah, duh. Of course you're going to suck it at first. And it's the same with like talking kind to yourself after you've spent a lifetime of talking shit to yourself. Like talking shit to yourself feels so easy. You know, like it's so easy. And then once you kind of rewire everything, don't get me wrong, it takes time, it takes years, but it's just better. Yeah. Like, for example, like, I remember just a a note, a benchmark of progress was when I would, like, fuck up at my job. Like, I was a server, so, like, I don't know, spill a drink. One time I spilled 
a cough. Oh, this was so bad. I spilled like coffee on someone's shoes that they were going to return. But like, why would you have those out? They were sitting in their chair and I passed the coffee over them and it spilled. But that's not my problem that you put it in the chair between me and you and the coffee in between. Anyway, that happened. And four, three, four years ago, I probably would have been like, oh my God, Callie, what the heck? You're so dumb. Like, it's not that hard. Da, da, da. And this time when it happened, I was like, oh my God, oh, that, that was bad. I fucked up. But who wouldn't fuck up? And, like, it's okay. Like, people fuck up. Like, I'm a person. I made a mistake. It's okay. Why did she have her shoes there? You know? It's just a different vibe. Anyway. (sighs) Number three. EMDR therapy. And we're not going to get too deep into this because this is my therapy journey. And I'm not going to share about it on a podcast. You got to be in the inner circle to hear about that stuff. But I learned about EMDR in the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which I I really recommend that book. It's pretty intense, so just know that when you read it, because they cite a lot of they cite a lot of studies, which I really appreciate. They also cite a lot of anecdotes, a lot of stories about people who had really severe trauma. So just know that before you read the book. I think that's something that should be mentioned more actually about that book because it is quite intense to read. But basically the premise of the book is that <clears throat> the whenever we experience a trauma and we don't immediately process it, for example, and when, when we experience any kind of moment of fight, flight, or freeze, or fawn, which is a freeze response, we get this surge of adrenaline, of energy, And when we do not act on that because we are very conditioned in our world to be polite, you know, so for example, if someone yells at you and you're like, oh, okay, I'm not going to yell back, but I'm having, my heart is racing and I'm having anxiety, probably having like a a fight or flight response, which there's nothing bad about that. It's normal. It's when we don't act on that and we don't process it that it gets trapped in the body. So obviously it's in the mind, but this book is more uh, specifically addressing how trauma affects the body on a physical somatic level. So that's why EMDR therapy, they originally used it as a placebo in a study. I think they were testing Prozac. And so they used EMDR as the placebo because they didn't think that EMDR actually did anything. Like, they didn't think it worked. They started realizing that it tested better than whatever medicine they were testing. Like I said, I think it was Prozac, but I don't remember for sure. And they were like, oh, shit. Okay, well, this is testing better than our actual drug that we're trying to make and sell here. So, what is this thing? So, they started doing more research on it, and they found out that They don't know exactly why it works. There's different theories about why it works. I'm not going to go too deep into that, but it works and it's super effective. Essentially, there's different different ways to do EMDR. So what an EMDR therapy session looks like is either you're doing eye movement. So that's what it stands for. Okay, EM, eye movement, desensitization, R. Reprogramming. There we go. Eye movement desensitization <laughs> program. <laughs> Let me look it up. Let me make sure. 
does it stand for? Oh my god, I did it. No, I didn't. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So what you do is you either, like the therapist will give you something to look at, where that's maybe going across the screen so that the eyes are going left to right, left to right. Maybe you're holding two, like, they're like little shocker things, but they're, they don't actually shock you. They're like buzzers. So two buzzers in each hand and it goes off one at a time. Z, 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 left, right, left, right. And there's different ways to do EMDR, but essentially it's somatic. So it involves the body, right? So it's either involving the shockers, involving your eyes. And in this way, it helps to involve the body in the process of relieving the trauma. So in normal talk therapy, you're essentially just dealing with the trauma on like a mind level. But trauma is a full experience where we store it somatically. We store it also in the mind. And it's important to include the body in this process of of healing trauma. So for me, EMDR was super radical. I'm not going to really go into that because I need to have some boundaries and that's where mine is. But if you're thinking about therapy, I would recommend EMDR all day long. It's like talk therapy and somatic. Like, so you do, most of it is talk therapy and then you do the EMDR towards the end of a session. I mean, they all look different, but anyway, I really recommend it. <laughs> Amazing result. It's like crazy. Anyway, some people compare it to, to hypnotherapy because you kind of get in like a trance when you're... Anyway, it's kind of psychedelic too. Regardless, speaking of psychedelics, mushrooms is number four. <laughs> I've had some really awesome experiences on mushrooms. When I say mushrooms, I mean psilocybin, like this magic mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms, the kind that are illegal but just got approved in Oregon for therapy. I originally became interested in, like, seriously interested in taking mushrooms when I saw the Goop podcast, but it's, like, the Goop show on Netflix with Gwyneth Paltrow. They sent a team to Jamaica, I believe, and they did this whole therapeutic mushroom experience, and they were taking a full dose, which I believe is, like, three grams. I haven't done mushrooms in a long time, so I don't remember the dosage, but I think it's, like, three grams and that's like a full dose that's like send you to outer space dose and so well it's different for different people but for most people it's so these people do they take these mushrooms and they release all this trauma and they're crying and they're like screaming and all these things and then at the end of it they're like oh my god that was so beautiful and they feel clean and feel like all these things and it it was like really it was really moving and so in 2020 in March of 2020 actually like right when COVID was happening I went to Kauai and I brought some mushrooms with me I had already microdosed a little bit and the first time I microdosed was on accident because I was trying to just microdose normally with microdosing microdosing you take a really small amount so if normally you take three grams you would take 0.03 grams the idea is to not feel any of the effects like the psychedelic effects you just feel the mood enhancement and that kind of effects so it shouldn't impair you at all but it should just give you like little taste of the happiness that you feel on mushrooms or whatever you feel on mushrooms which can be a lot 
So in March of 2020, when I was in Kauai, I brought some mushrooms with me and I did mushrooms in, and it was like a beautiful day. It was with, it was with one of my friends and it was just like an amazing experience. Like I felt my body in a different way. I thought I was like, I thought I was so beautiful and I thought the whole world was so beautiful and I saw myself as one of like one of the earth, one of the earth. The mountain that I was looking at was God. I don't really know how to explain it in words, but you feel so connected to everything around you, to the earth. Like, and people say this a lot with mushrooms. And if you've ever had your own mushroom experience, please reach out to me because maybe I'll make another episode just on mushrooms, like what people are saying about mushrooms. But I just felt God and I felt Mother Earth and I felt the divinity of everything. I felt so connected and and I saw myself as like a flower. Re- wrote a poem after that, something saying like, or an Instagram post saying something along the lines of, you know, we never look at a flower and are like, oh, wow, that flower is really pretty, but it would be prettier if this, if it was actually this color or if it didn't have this petal or if it was a little different shape, you know, we don't really do that with nature, but we look at ourselves and we're like, I need to be skinnier or I need to be bigger here or I need to be more tan or I need to da 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 da. And so when I was on mushrooms, like that whole concept became like, obviously I know that concept, but it became internalized. Like I absorbed that concept on a different level. Like I understood it. And so, to me, that's been my experience with mushrooms, and that's not even talking about microdosing. With microdosing, I often, not this year, because it's super, it's 85 degrees right now in Orange County, but normally when I was going to school, I would get really bad seasonal uh, depression, and so I'd feel like shit during the winter months. I would feel depressed, lethargic, all these things. And so taking that little bit of mushrooms, I felt like microdosing the mushrooms just helped me to keep my head above water. That was how I felt. Like it just kept my head above the water and I wasn't like tripping out or anything. It was just enough to feel good. And one thing I will say about mushrooms before I move on to the next topic is that the reason that they're on this too is because of the emotional healing that they help provide. It's not like the mushroom does anything like you go through the 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 healing the emotional healing whatever that means but i will say whenever i take mushrooms and i have to deal with something like something is in my emotional landscape there's a song that's like can't go under it can't go around it got to go through it that's what mushrooms make you do they make you go through that shit like last time I took them, I was up in Tahoe. I had just seen my childhood dog and she was getting old and she's still alive. I love her. Hi, Lucy. Shout out. But I recognized when I was with her, like, you know, she's not going to live forever. And the mushrooms pushed me through that reality. And I just like normally I wouldn't cry in public about my dog being old. 
but I was, you know, like on the docks in Tahoe and I just started crying and, and then I felt better after. Like me and Ikaru, we have that whole episode about, well, not the whole episode, but we chat about how you feel better after you cry, you know? So anyway, that's mushrooms. Number five is breathwork. So breathwork on the science level, there's so much science about it. A lot thanks to Wim Hof because he's done some crazy shit with the power of breathwork and like just power of his mind and cold therapy and other stuff. But because of his feats, people like scientists became interested and started um, doing studies on this stuff because, you know, people shit on certain like holistic methods and say, oh, well, why isn't there studies about blah, blah, blah? And it's like, well, you know what you need to put a study on? Um, money. <laughs> and most of the time when they do studies, it's for pro- like products that they're trying to prove are effective. And so mostly, most studies are funded by companies that are looking for a certain result from the study. So just keep that in mind in general. But thanks to Wim Hof, a lot of these techniques have been studied and they're now like have scientific evidence to how they work and why they work and and all that and that they do work so breath work there's different kinds of breath work I'm being really general here but breath work helps to heal the penal penial penial gland penal gland breath work helps to heal the penal gland in the brain or in the body and yeah I don't know that much about the science of it. I know more about the somatic release part, which I'll talk about right now. So, okay, I'm going to focus. I do different kinds of breath work on a daily basis, like kundalini type of yoga breath work, which I stand behind 100%. And he's also healed the penile gland. Penile gland? Penile? I'm going to look it up. How do you say that? Pineal gland. Pineal. Heal the pineal gland. Why would they write it like that? English is so weird. Okay. Pineal gland. I think I was saying it fine before. Okay. It also heals the pineal gland this way. Oh my god, what was I even saying? Okay. This kundalini breathwork that I practice on the daily helps to heal the pineal gland. It helps to regulate the nervous system, which is a whole thing that I love. All these things. That To me, that's the biggest thing is the nervous system regulation, which helps with anxiety and depression. But the somatic trauma release part of it, I also really love. And now I'm going to start to specifically talk about this kind of breathwork called the wave breath. If a teacher talk is a breathwork facilitator, they mostly probably teach this kind of breathwork. So it's like known as like the Wim Hof breath. Some of them don't have a name, but often they're like the wave breath. So Zygir and Sky Bear. I both had on the podcast a while back. They both are breathwork facilitators. They teach in different ways with different information, like different backgrounds, but they teach a similar method. So this is what I'm talking about when I talk about breathwork from now on. And so when we practice this kind of breathwork, I don't know exactly what happens in the brain, but I do know that when, like I said earlier, kind of at the beginning, when we, when I was talking about the EMDR, when we experience some kind of trauma, 
or a fight or flight um, response and we do not act on it, that energy gets stored somewhere in the body. So it lives in the body, doesn't just evaporate out of us. Unfortunately, that'd be amazing, but it doesn't evaporate out of us. It has to release somehow. So when we do this breath work, like you said, I don't know exactly what happens that triggers this, but it allows the body to release those responses in that space of of breathing. So a lot of times we will shake, you'll shiver, you'll cry, you'll laugh. I should probably say I. All I do, I shake, I shiver, I cry, I laugh. You maybe start to randomly think about things that have happened to you in the past that you forgot. Sometimes pieces will be connected. You'll realize why you do certain things and I always get downloads. I have that in my notes. So the way that Zaire teaches, he teaches from a very like spiritual type of perspective. So like Sky Bear, from what I've seen, is more technical. He is very into like the science behind things. He's into human optimization. How can this breathwork help to make me like the strongest, best, best version of myself? Zaire comes at it from a more spiritual perspective side of like how can we connect to the divine how can we get downloads how can we heal from this and I've done breathwork experiences with him so I'm kind of speaking from that so a lot of times I get downloads like I'll get downloads for my classes during breathwork like my my workshops and they're like very clear downloads and I don't really do mushrooms that much anymore I can't even tell you the last time I did mushrooms like a couple years ago or a year ago, because I feel like I'm on mushrooms when I'm doing breathwork. That's how powerful it is. No joke. Like, these breathwork experiences, I think, you know, you're breathing for, like, at least half an hour, and you're just (gasps) doing the wave breath over and over and over again. You have people saying faster, 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 banging on a drum and then slow, invite the divine feminine into it, feel the earth beneath you, like all these things. So you're connecting to like the earth, even if you're inside in a room and, and it feels like borderline psychedelic. Like sometimes you see things, you're feeling a lot of things. It's really laborious. So you're not just like chilling. Um, but I lately have been preferring breath work because it's a healing journey. Like mushrooms can be but on mushrooms you take mushrooms and then you're on mushrooms like all day like you're on mushrooms all day long with breathwork I can go to an evening breathwork class have my breathwork trip and then come back and work on stuff in the evening (laughs) like you might not want to work on stuff after but it's not like I'm out of it after you know I can come back to reality so that's that's my take on breathwork breathwork is so powerful I, that's what I teach. Honestly, when I'm working with people and I think it might be the only time I'm working with them, like in private yoga and I'm like, for whatever reason, if they just want one session, if they maybe can't afford other sessions and they are having any kind of anxiety, depression, or like even pain, it helps with chronic pain because it dulls the pain receptors in the brain when you breathe like that. I show them this breath work and it never ceases to blow people away. Last one, number six, is reading the book The Way Out. 
So I mentioned neuroplastic pain at the beginning of this episode. Neuroplastic pain is essentially your brain misfiring because it thinks that you're experiencing pain in a certain part of your body. When it's neuroplastic, it means that it's not structural pain. So it doesn't mean like you broke your arm and you're like, oh, my arm, this is neuroplastic. Like, no, dude, your arm's broken or anything like that. Neuroplastic is something where there's not structural damage. So like, for example, my neck pain, I had really bad neck pain. I was in a car accident and my um, C1, my atlas vertebrae, so a vertebrae in my neck, like the very top vertebrae of your spine, It was like very crooked on my spine after that accident. I was in a lot of pain. That could have been, you know, tissue inflammation from whiplash. I don't know. But that pain went on for months and years. And that is like not normal. And I know some people get in car accidents or accidents where they will have an injury and then and then their injury heals and the doctors will be like, you know, you shouldn't really be having pain anymore because your structural pain has, or your structural damage has healed. So it's essentially the brain misfiring. And I'm not an expert on this. Like I said, I just read the book, but I have noticed that since I started practicing the practices in the book, which is essentially when you are experiencing neuroplastic pain, instead of sparking that fear pain cycle, which is we start to feel the pain and then we get freaked out and then we get tense and then we get more pain because that creates more pain and then we start getting anxiety and then blah 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 and it's this huge spiral of anxiety and fear and pain so when we feel the pain come up we talk to it like an old friend like oh pain you fucker (laughs) but you essentially do like meditations um around the pain just noticing the pain without trying to shoo it away. And a lot of times when I do this, the pain goes away. And if it doesn't go away right away, then it's gone, you know, an hour or so later. And since then, I've been able to do all the things I never thought I could do with my neck because I used to be so sensitive. My boyfriend knows, Oliver knows, I would always be screaming, my neck, my neck. (laughs) He'd go to hug me, my neck. And I wouldn't sleep on my belly. I'd only sleep on my back like a mummy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sleep with certain pillows, like all these different things. And that's why I think that yoga originally helped with my pain because I wasn't, I was able to adapt these meditative techniques with like unknowingly. But once I actually realized what was happening, I think that helped a lot more. So I'm not saying all the pain that you're experiencing is neuroplastic pain because that's just not the truth. But a lot of it could be. And if sometimes, you know, pain manifests in certain areas of the body, sometimes ailments, like I have a cyst on my throat or a cyst on my thyroid, which is in my throat. And it's benign. It's just a cyst to tell me that I need to speak the fuck up for myself. And it's, and my C1 is all messed up (laughs) structurally, but I don't have pain anymore. So I think where in your body this neuroplastic pain or tumors or whatever it is manifest is a reflection, perhaps, I don't know, perhaps of your inner world and like what you need to work on and what you need to be more open to or whatever. In the Louise Hayes book I mentioned earlier, she talks about you know, she has a whole list of like why certain things manifest in the body. And 
for the throat, for the thyroid and, and issues in the throat, it's because you are not expressing yourself. And one of the big, big things I worked on in my EMDR therapy was having a voice and speaking up for myself. And so everything is connected. Like everything is connected. Like our bodies and our spiritual, and if maybe you don't believe in, you know, like us being spirits or having spirits, but your inner world, your emotional world, everything is so connected and healing is so complicated. And that's why like, I, I mean, I love yoga to death, but yoga is not the only way. Like if anything, there's like 50 million ways. Okay. Maybe 50 million is a little generous, but there's so many ways to heal and they all cross over into each other. And I think it's so beautiful and trippy. So that is the list, my list of the deepest medicines that I've experienced and hopefully how they can help you. So if any of them resonated with you, I mean, feel free to like shout, I don't know, not shout me out, but DM me or post, you know, post about the podcast. Let me know what you liked, what resonated, or maybe you're like, no way I'd ever do mushrooms. Like, let me know. I'm curious. And if you have something that for you was really powerful but wasn't on this list. I'm curious to know what that was as well. And if you are curious about how yoga can help you, I think I've found that the best way to incorporate the healing, the potency of yoga and the healing tools of yoga is in one-on-one sessions. So if you are interested in one-on-one yoga sessions, I'm currently taking virtual clients just virtual for now. I'm fully booked with in-person. Yay! But I am currently enrolling for virtual yoga sessions. So if that's something that interests you, I love doing private sessions. So like the magic is there when we can just find out what you want and how we can get you there. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Feel free to reach out to me for any reason. I love chatting with you on Instagram. You can follow me on TikTok. I'm blowing up on TikTok. Both of them are at Yoga. My email is Yoga at gmail.com. My website is Yoga.com. Can't go wrong as long as you're typing in Yoga. Thank you for listening, my friend. Sending you so much love. Namaste. That's all for today for the Your Own Medicine podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, These episodes do come out pretty sporadically, so if you'd like to be notified each time a new episode comes out, please subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, And you can always follow my journey along, which I always post when a new episode comes out on my social media, TikTok and Instagram, at Yoga. And feel free to keep in touch. You can also check out my website at kaliklugyoga.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.